You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through those game days because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. It is crossover Thursday uh, locked on Packers, locked on Colts, ready to bring you the preview that you need for one of the the week's biggest matchups, and I would I would dare say the biggest in terms of uh, the Sunday matchups. Thursday's game, uh, tonight's game with with the Seahawks and the Cardinals, obviously major playoff implications in the NFC, a uh, huge implications in the NFC West to be sure. And, you know, the Packers Colts, I think, is the matchup of the two best teams this weekend. And we're going to learn a lot about what this matchup says about each of these teams. And we will, of course, break that all down with Evan Sidery from Locked on Colts. We'll get to that in just a second. I want to talk about the Packers defense to start the show. The Packers defense has been the maligned group this season and and has been the maligned group really going back to those Super Bowl teams, you know, the, the 2010 team and the 2011 team. The reason that that 15 and one squad did not perform to the level of the offense is because the defense was historically terrible. Jair Alexander practiced on Wednesday in a limited capacity. The expectation, according to Matt LaFleur, is that he will be good to go. Kevin King returned as a full participant in Wednesday's practice. He looks on track to be ready for Sunday. The question, I think, that we have to ask here is how will Mike Patton play this Indianapolis Colts defense because... Over the course of the season, the passing game has actually been worse than the run game by efficiency. If you look at something like DVOA from Football Outsiders, the passing game is is ranked worse relative to the rest of the league than the rushing offense is. And yet, in a given week, you would expect the Packers to be worried more about that run defense. That is not the case this week, given uh, you know the opponent and, and what they have put on tape. Uh, Jonathan Taylor not looking like the kind of player who is worthy of the 41st overall selection as a running back. And the offensive line has just not been as good, even with high quality players like Quentin Nelson, Anthony Costanzo, Braden Smith. 
They just haven't played to the level that we would expect from this group. And so that raises interesting questions about how the Packers want to handle this game. I still think Mike Patton is going to look at this offense and say, yes, Naheem Hines is a problem as a matchup player. Maybe you just say, Raven Green, you've got that guy. Maybe they feel comfortable with Christian Kirksey and Kamel Martin and the guys that they have now as overhang defenders that they can match up better with Hines than, say, the Tennessee Titans. And, and that's probably a reasonable assumption to make. And after what we saw last Thursday, you also have a better understanding of, okay, this is how the Colts want to deploy this guy. I still think Mike Patton is looking at this going, all right, Phil Rivers, Michael Pittman Jr., T.Y. Hilton, and, and some of these secondary guys that maybe you haven't heard of, they still play in an offense with Frank Reich. They have quality tight ends. Trey Burton is someone who's going to see plenty of targets. Green Bay has had their issues against tight ends, you know, forever, it seems. And so that is still going to be a focus here. The Packers' defense this season has been laser-focused on not giving up big plays, and they've done a great job avoiding those big plays. And their idea has been, look, we want to make you go 10, 12, 15 plays, don't make mistakes, and you can score on us. That's a smart idea because consistency is tough. And it is hard to do that four or five times a game and get touchdowns. The good news for the Packers is the Colts offense is bad in the red zone, 28th in points per red zone trip. And so they're kicking field goals. They're bogging down in the red zone. And one of the reasons is, number one, they don't they don't create explosives. They do not create explosive plays. And that means Green Bay is in a perfect position to say you are not going to create these plays over the top. It's not already, already not what they do. The problem is the Colts, when they do score, they do go 10, 12, 15 plays. It's what they want to be. If you're the Packers, you're saying, okay, great. Here you go, and we just think that our red zone defense is going to uh, stiffen up enough that you can't score enough to keep up with the Packers. In a normal week, that might work. Against the Colts, whose defense is you know top five, as Matt LaFleur said, in just about every category, run defense, passing defense, all of the metrics, it is more difficult to just say, okay, the thing that you want to do, we're going to let you do. That's not usually a winning formula. And yet the Packers could roll that out. If they think they can score. And by the way, the Titans should have scored more than they did on the Colts. The, the Titans blew that game because their special teams was an abomination. They had a shanked punt that gave the Colts field position inside the plus 40. They had a punt blocked for a touchdown. That's 14 points, and they lost by 17. They also had a drive where they were driving, and of course, because that's what a drive is, <laughs> and Goskowski missed a field goal. He missed a bunch of field goals this year. All right, well, there's your three points. There's your deficit, and they had a fourth down in the red zone that they went for and didn't get. 
Ryan Tannehill really struggled in the dropback passing game. He was pretty good early in the game when they could stay in phase, stay with their play action game, stay with the run game. In the second half, he had to go to more dropback because all of a sudden they're down 7, 10, 17 points, and you have to play differently. If Green Bay doesn't make those mistakes, can they bank on the offense to pick them up? This is a crucial question because if they think that the, that Aaron Rodgers and those boys can get to 24, 27, 30 points, then Mike Patton, I think, will be content to say, look, Phil Riv, you take your checkdowns, take your, your little seven-yard completions, get down into the red zone, kick your field goals, and we'll beat you. I think that's a reasonable take. Let's say the Packers offense in the first couple quarters, you know, first quarter and a half, can't really get the mojo going. Matt Eberflus is, they've got him flustered, and DeForest Buckner is doing stuff. Xavier Rhodes is playing Devontae Adams better than he has in years, and Green Bay's offense can't go. Then what does Mike Patton do? Does he press a little bit more often? Does he build in some early down run blitzes? Where do they turn for answers? Because when Philip Rivers is playing his best, he is getting the ball out of that back foot, three-step drop, bang, balls out. Play action, bang, balls out on a deep shot. And against the Titans, he was playing in phase, playing in rhythm, and they were able to get to where they wanted to get to. They still don't create deep, even with T.Y. Hilton, even with Michael Pittman Jr., even with Mo Ali Cox and, and Trey Burton and Naheem Hines, they've got some nice weapons there, but they're not throwing the ball down the field. They're not pushing for those big plays. If Green Bay tackles even half decent, they're not going to give up big plays in this game. They have to tackle well. Okay, what if they're not? What if they're not tackling well? Then do you have to press the issue a little bit more if you're Mike Patton? Do you have to say, okay, here's some more blitzes. Here's here's more opportunities to get Phillip Rivers off his spot because he is a statuesque quarterback. He's not going to make plays on the run. He's not going to use his legs to beat you. And if all of a sudden, you know, you're getting early pressure on Rivers and he's hitting that back foot and he's got to move because he can't get the ball out, then you're you're in a better position to beat him. Now, I think this is a lot of what ifs. So, okay, what if the offense doesn't work? And what if, you know, the Packers aren't doing X, Y, Z? They need to have a plan B. I'm just, I'm really anxious to see what the plan A is. Because Mike Pettin has been more aggressive the last few weeks. He's brought more run blitzes. He's playing Darnell Savage closer to the line of scrimmage. He's playing him in more of these robber roles. Is he going to use Darnell Savage to cover Naheem Hines? Is that going to be Raven Green's responsibility? Is Vernon Scott going to do that? I mean, there are a lot of different ways that that the Packers can approach this Colts offense. And and I'm, I'm just fascinated to see how they do that. In a lot of the same ways, I'm interested to see how Matt Eberflus decides to handle Green Bay. Are they going to play those two deep safeties? That was a staple of his defense early in his Colts tenure. They've they've moved away from that a little bit. They're playing more cover three. They're playing more single high, you know, man-free type looks where they're playing man coverage with a single high safety and they're bringing guys in the box. The Titans were able to run the ball because they were playing a lot more nickel and dime looks 
against the the Titans when they were going to three, you know three receiver sets. Are the Packers going to have Lazard and Adams and MVS all ready to go and up so that that Indianapolis has to do that? There are a lot of of fascinating questions here that we're going to get answered, and it really just makes me impossibly excited to get to game day. Before we get to our crossover Thursday, let's talk about our friends at Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. All right, let's get to our crossover Thursday with Evan Sidery, host of Locked on Colts. It's not something we get to do very often. So uh, it, it, is, it is particularly fun that this is going to be a marquee matchup here. So, Evan, when you when you look at this Colts team, this is a this is a team that is really uh, if you if you go back and look at what what Peyton Manning was and and what they brought to the table and and it was the offense and it was Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. This version of the Colts defense is really the calling card for this team right now. And that's been sort of what they've hung their hat on this season. What has been the big driver of of this defensive? I don't even I don't even know if we can call it a resurgence because it has to be a surgence to start. Um, but is it has it coaching? Is it that they've assembled all this talent? Uh, because certainly I don't, I don't know that the the average fan could name you know more than two or three players on this defense yet. They're really 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 good. Yeah, this defense really has been something special so far this year for the Colts. Peter, because you look at DeForest Buckner, I think that's what changed everything, acquiring him for their first round pick number 13 overall in this past yeah. year's draft. He's been able to change things for the entire front four. Grover Stewart is sending alongside him, Justin Houston as well. A little inconsistent so far this year, but you even see him get one-on-one constantly all the time. Kamoko Ture is going to be coming back this Sunday for the first time this year after his gruesome ankle injury last year. So we're going to see how he gels next to DeForest Buckner. But Buckner's changed it all. You have Darius Learn now roaming free almost every single play, cleaning up the trash outside the front four there. Also, Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman, the rookie safety, has done very well for himself after replacing Malik Hooker who tore his Achilles in week two of the season against the Minnesota Vikings. I just really believe Buckner has been the single driving force of this. He has already 18 quarterback hits so far this year. He's well on pace for 25 plus, I believe it's 29 quarterback hits, which should by far be the most in franchise history in a single season for the Colts. Dwight Freeney is second on that list, or currently number one on this list, with 22, so Buckner's going to pass that here very soon. I'd also say give credit to Matt Eberflus. I think it's going to be a candidate for head coaching job this year because it's not really a lot of base vanilla, vanilla cover two looks anymore, Peter. We saw in week one against Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew tore them up going 19 of 20. But outside of that one game, we're looking at the culture starting to get in sync as far as defense goes, knock off some of that rust. They've really been in a lot of cover three, cover one, even a lot of man coverage too. And also, they're really hiding Xavier Rhodes in man coverage too. Really struggled, of course, last year in Minnesota in Mike Zimmer's scheme. We're seeing a lot of shade to that side of Blackman or Kari Willis. And really just helping out and keeping those guys on islands too, whether it be Rocky Sen, who has not allowed a touchdown so far this year, although he's a little consistent still. I think it all just drives back to Buckner. It's the big acquisition. Chris Bauer called it the crown jewel acquisition of this defense really taken from an average level to an above average to an elite level, which they've had been so far this year. Like you mentioned, a lot of national people couldn't mention outside of Buckner and Leonard many players, but 
Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman are two players watching the secondary, as well as Gruber Stewart is well on his way for a big payday as their one tech. He's really he's lost he lost forty pounds over the last calendar year to be just a more slim, athletic one tech, and it's really paying off for him. And but all these all this young talent is coalescing at the same time. You add in that blue chip prospect in Buckner, it's really taking them up another level here, Peter. And that's what's really exciting about this Colts defense is that. They're not giving you the base looks anymore. They're mixing up here. I think adding in Buckner and all this young talent has really helped out in that. Yeah, when I was going back and watching the the Titans, or yeah, the the Titans Colts game, I I was really impressed with with Stewart and Blackman. Uh, this team flies around. Matt Lafleur talked about the speed of this team, and it, to me, it's not just speed. It's it's speed with understanding. And when when you know where you need to be, when you play with discipline within the scheme, and this defense seems to do that, it can seem like you're playing faster because you know where to get to. And it just seems like this team. They know where to be so consistently and they know how teams want to attack them that they can almost beat guys to the spot because they know where their answers are defensively. So I've been really impressed with them on that side of the ball. On the other side of the ball, though, uh, Philip Rivers uh, comes in. He's he's, you know, speaking of crown jewels, the Colts are paying him a boatload of money to come in and be a franchise changer for them. What have you seen from Rivers this year? Because certainly the numbers are not going to jump out at you. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're winning games and he seems to play in, in such nice rhythm. He's hitting his back foot and the ball is coming out. So what has Rivers been for them this season? Just so efficient, Peter. Compared to Jacoby Brissett last year, who after his injury just went down a cliff as far as efficiency goes. And they really helped protect him a little bit last year with the running game that hasn't been the same this year with Marlon Mack's injury. But Rivers has been right near his career high for efficiency. His, his career high, I think, 69%. With actually Frank Wright back in 2013 in San Diego, and now it's like 68.5 so far this year. So pretty much the same rhythm offense they have in place from San Diego and Indianapolis now. Rivers at the quarterback helm. It's just one, two, three throw, one, two, three throw. Just a lot of quick out concepts, a lot of really deep shots. They can take deep shots too, but not as much. It's a lot more get guys in space like DeMichael Harris, the undrafted rookie, who's trying to replace Paris Campbell with his knee injury so far this year. Michael Pittman Jr. is starting to send it into his own as well as a sort of liable X receiver. T.Y. Hilton has not done much in the receiving core, but it's just been a lot of guys helping out around the board. Molly Cox, Trey Burton, just a lot. I wouldn't say elite playmakers. I don't think the Colts have a single elite playmaker like Green Bay does with Devontae Adams, but they're getting it done across the board here. And Rivers is making sure to find the efficient read and going. He's not waiting for it. And it shows so far this year the Colts are, of course, leading in the least amount of sacks so far this season. And having a statue quarterback Rivers back there, it's really helped him just be able to read the field and not panic. We saw against Cleveland when Miles Garrett got into him with Andy Costanzo being out. It was a house of horrors for them. We saw kind of the Rivers from last year. But outside of that game, it's really been just a game manager type role and one where you just need to focus on just doing the right reads at the right time. You keep the ball clean. Don't commit any turnovers with Rivers. It's really been smooth sailing for this offense. It's been a lot more inconsistent, like I mentioned, due to the running game. But when you have Rivers at quarterback, a smart cerebral one like he is, it's really just taking this offense from a level where it was so consistent last year to one that's at least an average to above average team when they're humming at full speed. So I'm really curious to see what Rivers does this Sunday, honestly, Peter, because like you mentioned, the Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and that pass rush. If they can get home against Rivers, that can really change things there. But if you let Philip Rivers get into a rhythm like you saw on Thursday night against the Titans, it, it could be really rough sailing for the Packers defense. And there is this congruency of the way that that the two teams want to play because Mike, Mike Patton is not going to make you or is not going to let you create down the field. He's going to play a lot of off coverage, a lot of zone and say, hey, if you want to drive 15 plays to score, 
feel free. Well, that's how the Colts play anyway. It's it's a lot of, you know, Phillip Rivers, I believe, is 27th in average intended air yards. He is not throwing the ball down the field the way that, you know, Andrew Luck did with T.Y. Hilton. So I, I think they're going to play exactly the way that Mike Patton wants them. It just happens to be the same way that the Colts want to play. What has been going on with the run game? Because this is something that Packer fans and everyone that talks about this team has to bring up because of you know how their season ended last year. Um, Dalvin Cook, of course, trucks them a few weeks ago in, in the upset win at Lambeau. Jonathan Taylor does not seem to be playing as fast as he did at the University of Wisconsin. Of course, he's a rookie, but Naheem Hines really, I, I thought, took over the game in the second half against the Titans. What is the state of this run game, and and can they take advantage of Green Bay on Sunday? Yeah, it's very porous right now. I haven't checked the numbers just yet, but they are last in yards per carry heading into Thursday night's game. Probably went up a little bit thanks to Naeem Hines and the way he played. I think he's really starting to ascend into that Austin Eckler, Darren Sproles type role we've seen throughout Rivers' career. And right now, like you mentioned with Jonathan Taylor, he just does not look NFL ready. He's not really reading the field right. He's missing a lot of wide open lanes and he's trying to create contact through a lot of garbage in the front where he should just be able to bounce it outside. We've kind of seen Taylor going to the doghouse a little bit too, Peter. The last two games outside of Tennessee, so you can even include three, it's been him being benched for Jordan Wilkins or it's been for Naeem Hines who went off on Thursday. Yeah. So I really think that Taylor at the moment is their second string running back. They'll probably be starting the game still. But if Taylor can't find a groove against his Packers team, like you mentioned, they've been gashed a little bit in some games this year. Hopefully it's a get right get right game for Jonathan Taylor, who's really in desperate need of a great game. He hasn't had one over 100 yards since week two against Minnesota. I, I do wonder if they're going to use a lot more Naeem Hines because, like you mentioned, just putting him in space, having him just be a playmaker on the outside or even in the slot as, as one of your receivers. He's a, he's a game wrecker. He's one that's going to really open things up for this Colts offense. And I'd really worry more about Naeem Hines than I would Jonathan Taylor, Jordan Wilkins as well is a very patient, balanced runner. So when he gets going, he can help this running game a little bit. But really, the offensive line has not been the same in the rushing department as they've been in the passing department so far this year. They've really taken a step back as far as just being able to get to the second level for the offensive line. So I think it's a lot of uh, different things meshed together here, Peter. Just Taylor doesn't look NFL ready. The offensive line just isn't as good as they were in the running game over the last couple of years. And then missing Marlon Mack has been just crucial. I just think the chemistry that Marlon Mack had with his offensive line, it's been starting almost every single game for the last two and a half years. They're missing the patience Marlon Mack had, the vision he had. Uh, hopefully, Jonathan Taylor gets to that point because Mack had the same struggles in 2017 when he was a rookie. But right now, I'd be a lot more worried if I were a Packers fan about this passing attack because so far the last two months, the, the Colts have not shown anything to be able to prove me right as far as they could be a good running team right now. <laughs> well, uh, that will be uh, music to Packer fans' ears. Uh, let me finish up with this. Um, if you were going to just look at this game in terms of the matchups and say this is the thing that I'm most concerned about from the Colts' perspective, whether it's offensively or defensively, that the Packers can do based on the way it matches up with what the Colts are are not as great at, what is that thing? I would say, honestly, it's a lot of individual matchups. I mean, when the Colts go against these elite quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, it, it's usually a day where if you get him in rhythm, as you all know, as Packers fans and Peter, you know this, of course, with Aaron Rodgers, when he gets in the rhythm, he's almost impossible to stop. So if Aaron Rodgers gets in the rhythm early, it could be really rough sledding for this Colts defense. You can just pick him apart just in their soft zones a little bit, as well as Devontae Adams. I know Xavier Rhodes has had a, a resurgent year so far, and he's well on his way to a big payday, whether it be with the Colts or somewhere else. But 
if you put Xavier Rhodes or Rocky Asuna, Devontae Adams one-on-one, I think Adams is going to win that matchup only seven out of ten times, maybe even more than that, just the way that Adams has played so far this year. He just looks like a, he's taken a leap. Uh, he's already an elite wide receiver, but I think he's maybe one of the best, if not in that top two, top three right now for NFL wide receivers. So he really worries me. And then on the offensive side, even even a, even Xavier Rhodes at his best in his best years couldn't cover Devontae Adams in the with the Vikings. I mean that was just always the thing that that the Packers knew going in. Hey, yeah, Xavier Rhodes is really good, but he just had no answer for seventeen. Yeah, Devontae Adams is so fun to watch, and I think he's one of those players who could drive a monster game on Sunday. But the opposite side of the ball here with the offense, this Colts offense against the Packers defense. If they can't establish the run early on, I think we're, I'm pretty confident that Rivers will be able to pick this Packers defense apart a little bit as far as just those quick rhythm passes, like we mentioned all throughout the podcast. Those 10 to 12 play drives should be really right in the Colts' wheelhouse offensively. But if they can't establish the run and keep balance, Peter, this could be a game that gets out of hand, in my opinion, just because this Packers offense, when they're humming at full speed, you need to score six, not three against them. And they got lucky last week against Tennessee with their special teams errors. And I think that could have been a game yep. that got out of hand pretty quickly if the Titans were able to, to, to convert on special teams, drive down the field a bit more. Because Tannehill was in a rhythm early, but in the second half it kind of changed there. But I do wonder if this Colts offense can get going in the rushing department, which has been really needed for the last couple months. Hopefully it's that breakout game on Sunday. But if not, this is a game where I think it's going to be the first one of 30 wins. So the, the Colts have to stay balanced. And if they're not, it's going to be one where Rivers can be thrown 40 to 45 times. And at that point, it'll be very predictable. And the Packers can really maybe stymie themselves, stymie up the Colts offense and make them really one-dimensional there. Yeah, that, that Titans-Colts game was much closer than the final score indicated. It was a shanked putt that sent up, set up a Colts score and then a blocked punt that turned into a touchdown, and all of a sudden the game was over. So uh, something that, uh, that I think if Green Bay can avoid those kinds of special teams mistakes, which, by the way, they didn't last week. One of the reasons the Jaguars stayed in that game was a punt return touchdown. Uh, then I then I think Green Bay is going to be able to, uh, to to play well in this game. Evan, this is great, and uh, I think it's going to be an awesome game. Totally agree with you. Are you surprised, real quick, I'm just looking at DraftKings right now, Peter, that the Colts are actually favorites over this Packers team? You know, I was surprised when the lines came out that not only were they favored, they were favored by as many as three or even three and a half some places. Um, A lot of the point-based models that I look at and like um, believe that the Packers are just flat out the better team. And so depending on how you feel about um, home field advantage, that maybe the Packers should be favored in this game. Uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I've, I've already, I have already heard from, uh, an analytics friend of mine who works in the, the gambling industry that he is going to be placing his hard earned American dollars on the Packers this weekend. Yeah. I really think honestly, Peter, this is a game that obviously is the game of the week on Fox where it's going to be a very close game. I, I think personally, Peter, I'm going to go green Bay in this one. I'm going to go 31 to 24. I think it's going to be a, a very entertaining game on both sides of the ball but a very high scoring one. So I'm going Green Bay in this one, but Peter, do you have a quick prediction? I like a 31 is a good number. I like that number, but let's go 31 28. I think it's going to be a little closer than that, but I, I still think uh, the Packers, when I think the, I think the dome plays a factor. I think the fans play a factor. Green Bay has actually played better on the road in these dome situations in, in part because of what Aaron Rodgers is, but also in part because I, I think they feed off the energy of fans, even in an in opposing stadium. Aaron Rodgers said as much. He said he was really excited to come to to Lucas Oil to play in front of fans. So uh, I think they're going to be fired up, and and I think they're going to play well. All right, I want to thank Evan for joining the show. Love a crossover, especially with a crossover where we don't get to talk very much. 
I, I think that insight is really useful. It's useful for me. I, I hope it's useful for you. And, uh, you know, this is why we do these because, you know, I I can't be as up to date on the Colts and I watch the games as best I can. I study them the week of, but you know, Evan is in it week in and week out. It matters a little bit more and and by a little bit, I mean a lot. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Freighter and Medical College of Wisconsin. With the power of academic medicine, the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network makes more possible, more humanly possible for patients, like Aaron Rodgers does for the offense. More innovations that lead to life-saving treatments, more breakthroughs for complex diseases, and more locations across the region so that academic medicine is never far. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is Eastern Wisconsin's only academic health system. Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care research to find groundbreaking cures and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. Academic medical centers provide greater access to clinical trials, which can lead to breakthrough treatments and life-saving drugs. Freighter and MCW physicians have been a part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent diagnose and treat diseases it all adds up to more possibilities and when we do everything humanly possible you can too to learn more visit www.freighter.com all right we'll be back tomorrow our live locked on packers friday on periscope check us out there of course it will be in your news feed shortly after whether you use iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, of course, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. That's the deal. Uh, I I will save my uh, full score prediction um, tomorrow. I know I gave Evan one, but I gotta I gotta look at that a little bit. I, I think I might have been a little a little overly generous to the Packers offense and maybe under generous to the Packers defense. So. I'll take a look at it. It's not, it's not a final. Crossover Thursday predictions are not final. Friday predictions are final, especially after we see uh, the final injury report because I think that's going to be really important for Green Bay. Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Devontae Adams. Those guys look like they're going to play. If they don't, it might uh, you know change how I feel as we look toward Sunday. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. As I said, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.